Jeep's training and education program is proud to release Introduction to Grain Operations. This new course is a multimedia version of what was known as Jeep's 500 with dynamic graphics, video examples, photographs, multidimensional illustrations, animations, and interactive exercises. This course is sure to prepare your team for the work you need them to do. This is a great industry primer at a great price. For a limited time, Jeep's members may purchase the course for just $195. Non-members still save and pay just $295. For more information, visit jeeps.com. In our exploration of the ever-changing landscape of the grain industry, Wayne Bauer's experiences stand out as a guiding light, shedding light on the critical values of safety, teamwork, and ongoing education. His lasting impact emphasizes the importance of the grain industry and its essential role in shaping our society. You won't want to miss this intriguing conversation with longtime and now-retired industry veteran coming up next. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jim Lenz, your host of Whole Grain and Director of Global Training and Education at Jeeps, where the mission of the Grain Elevator and Processing Society is to champion, connect, and serve the global grain industry and our members. At Jeeps, we work to be the global community and thought leader for the grain industry, which feeds and fuels the world. Thanks for listening today and for joining the network of thousands of the grain handling and processing professionals across the globe taking strategic steps to grow professionally. The Whole Grain Show will give you the competitive advantage to win at work so you can make more of an impact. In this episode of Whole Grain, we're joined by Wayne Bauer. Our special guest takes us on a captivating journey throughout his remarkable career. As a recipient of industry awards, a former Jeeps chapter leader, and a former international Jeeps president, Wayne Bauer's anecdotes offer unique and valuable perspective on the grain handling and processing industry. Navigating the intricacies of the grain industry requires dedication, expertise, and a passion for safety. Today's podcast guest, Wayne Bauer, embodies all of these traits and more. Bauer, a seasoned industry veteran, shares his journey from leadership roles to his enduring commitment post-retirement. Wayne's entry into the grain handling and processing industry was marked by his roles in various companies. His diverse career saw him transitioning from an agronomist to managing a small feed mill, supervising the construction of grain terminals, and eventually venturing into safety and security. His involvement with Jeeps, an organization dedicated to the grain industry, spanned decades and included a term as international president. Throughout his career, Wayne emphasized the importance of camaraderie within organizations like Jeeps. He discussed a deep-rooted connection he formed within the organization, including his role in introducing the current board president, Chuck Kunish, to Jeeps. He'll share his experiences, including memorable moments like saving an employee's life and collaborating with steel bin manufacturers to promote safer designs. Wayne's influence extended beyond local grain handling. He recounted his educational trip to Argentina, where he educated industry professionals about grain entrapment prevention. The profound impact of his knowledge became evident when he learned that a company used his techniques to save a life. Post-retirement, Wayne continues to dedicate his time to safety improvements within the industry. He connects with his community, teaching local fire departments how to handle farm-related emergencies, and shares insights in strategic planning and industry engagement. He also addresses the challenges of employee retention and the importance of grooming high school students as the future vanguards of agriculture. 
In the realm of safety improvements, Wayne lauded the increased use of orientation videos and safety committees. These tools, he noted, have been instrumental in educating employees about safety measures and involving them in hazard identification and training. Strategic planning and engagement also played a pivotal role in Wayne's career. He stressed the importance of strategic thinking and planning, as well as collaboration within the industry. He shared his insights on succession planning within Jeeps and the importance of preparing for future leadership roles. Wayne's journey serves as a beacon illuminating the importance of safety, collaboration, and continuous learning. His enduring contribution underscores the significance of the grain industry and its crucial role in society. All that and more coming up next. Today's guest is Wayne Bauer. Wayne is a longtime veteran of the grain industry and has served Jeeps in numerous roles. We are grateful for his service. Welcome, Wayne. Thanks for making whole grain part of your day. Appreciate the opportunity, Jim, to speak to fellow Jeeps members as well as some of the others in the ag industry. It is, again, very special. This is really the first of a number of times that the whole grain will be featuring veteran grain industry leaders, many of them retired in the grain handling and processing industry, bound with Jeeps and leadership roles throughout the years. Just gain for our listeners words of wisdom and perspective. Could you give our listeners a brief background about how you got into the grain handling processing industry? What were some of your roles within the industry throughout your adult professional life? Well, I have been involved with about eight different companies in my career, so I won't bore you with all those details and changes and twists and turns. But uh, back in uh, 1975, I was hired by three cooperatives to supervise the construction of a grain terminal in uh, Michigan. And I don't mind saying that at that point in my career, I was very, very green. And, and I leaned on a couple of gentlemen in the Farm Bureau Services who owned and operated uh, four grain terminals in Michigan and uh, heavily for some guidance. And and after a period of time, uh, they kept emphasizing to me that, Wayne, you need to belong to Jeeps. So that's when I joined Jeeps in uh, 1976 and went to my first Jeeps exchange at Kansas City. What were some of those positions that you held with the organizations? As an agronomist, after leaving Michigan State University and then uh, managed a small feed mill for a short period of time, I then was contacted and uh, supervised the construction of this small grain terminal in Michigan and went to Wix shortly after that and uh, helped uh, build another grain terminal with uh, boat loading capabilities and then ended up supervising 28 grain uh, country elevators in Michigan for a short period of time and became a credit manager and then ultimately got into safety and security. So I kind of wore a lot of different hats over the last 46 years. Thank you for sharing that. Gives us a brief background there. What about leadership roles that you served with Chiefs? I know they're quite immense. Can you share with our listeners? Well, I started with the uh, Seaway chapter, of course, in 1976 and took it upon myself to start the Michigan Southern Ontario chapter in 1983. And that was a really uh, interesting uh, experience. And we pulled in uh, a number of people from Southern Ontario. So actually, the Michigan Southern Ontario chapter is the only chapter in the Jeeps organization that is truly international with the members from two different countries in our chapter. But that was a good experience. And then as time went on, we started the regional conference in Angola, Indiana, teaming up with the Hoosier chapter in Indiana and the Seaway chapter in Ohio. And, and that was a great experience for all three chapters for a number of years. That conference ran for uh, close to 30 years uh, there in Angola, Indiana, and it was really easy for each chapter to reach. 
And then I got on the international board and served uh, in a variety of capacities there and ultimately uh, international president in 2004 and was, um, I was, I was really fulfilled to get the industry award in 2017 as well. There are so many people who are appreciative of your service. I know the current board president, Chuck Kunish. There's a connection for, for sure with you and him. Yeah, your uh, current president, Chuck Kunish. Chuck and I, our families actually uh, farmed together just a couple miles apart from each other in Michigan. And as time went on, I also introduced Chuck to the Jeeps organization, as well as Jeff Trudell, who also serves on the international board. So lots of connection there. You were led by someone to Jeep's organization, and you certainly have led a lot of others who are big leaders for the organizations and green industry as well. I like since joining Jeep's that if the organization can make the world of the grain handling and processing industry smaller, we've done our job. In other words, this form of the Global Membership Association allows people to make really strong connections where they can get help and support each other in literally just an email or a phone call or two away. That's what's pretty exciting. I mean, what does it mean to you to be part of the Jeep's family? Well, it means a lot, Jim. You know, I've grown a great deal through Jeeps and I've learned so much. I've made some tremendous friendships and acquaintances. As a matter of fact, four of the past Jeeps uh, MSO officers must still meet uh, every year for an annual reunion, even though it's been 30 years since we served together in the local chapter. It's just been a great experience meeting with people. When I was on the international board, we used to tell people frequently, and I don't know if, I, if it's still that story is still shared, but we used to tell everybody that you can meet anyone in the grain industry in the world if you so desire by making two phone calls through Jeeps. And we've done that many times. Well said. I've heard that dozens of certainly true. Great to be a member of Jeeps to help and support each other. Now, thinking back, reflecting, is there a memory or two that you could kind of pull out for our listeners? The, uh, there are so many great memories that I have, Jim, going back over the last 46 years. It's hard to, you know, siphon out one or two. But a couple of them that come to mind is I had the opportunity to uh, do an actual high angle rescue one time and save an employee's life. And it was also uh, nice to uh, be able to uh, participate very uh, actively with the steel bend manufacturers in helping to look at better ways to get in and out of grain bends and actually have them adopt some of the design parameters for safer steel bends over the years. And that was gratifying to see. Wow, that's uh, pretty amazing, helping to save someone's life, but in expanding that by working with manufacturers. You also mentioned in a previous conversation outside of this that you spent some time in Argentina. Can you tell us what was that about? Yeah, for many years, Jeeps and uh, Apelskron down in Argentina always hooked up and uh, sent the international president. And back in 2004 and 05, uh, I was, of course, the international president at that point. So I made my first trip to Argentina during that year up to meet with Apelskron and some of the folks down there. It was a great trip. But then four or five years after that, the ag industry uh, down in Argentina invited me back to actually put on a presentation on uh, grain entrapment prevention. So we set up a mock uh, elevator in a, in a large uh, railroad handling facility. And I don't recall the exact number, Jim, but it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 350 to 400 people from five different countries from South America attended that full day session. That was a tremendous experience you know, for me to be able to participate with all of those folks down there doing that and sharing those thoughts. 
And what was really neat to hear, six or eight months after that, I heard from one of the companies that was involved that they actually took some of the techniques that I shared with them and saved an individual who was suffocating in a large bin of soybean meal. And they felt that they would probably not have saved him if it would not have been for being exposed to some of the techniques we shared with them at that meeting. So it was good to hear that kind of stuff. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Obviously, great feedback, how critically important is you never know the impact someone can have. And a lot of times you don't know about it, but you'd happen to hear from them about six, seven minutes after that educational event that you conducted. That's incredible. Another question that I may ask guests who come on with this great experience and episodes like this, what would you do differently? You don't have to have a response for that, but I'm just curious if there's something. Well, one thing I'd probably do differently, uh, uh, Jim, was, um, you know, the fact that over the years... You know, I, uh, because of a lot of committee meetings and uh, working with Homeland Security and the Jeeps and the many other groups, um, you know, I went into a lot of different groups like the California Grain and Feed and the Idaho Seed Producers and different flour mill organizations, just a lot of different organizations besides Jeeps. But often I would fly into a place for a committee meeting or a quick presentation with somebody. And then I'd jump back on the plane again that same day or grab a flight early the next morning and head back out. If I look back at that, if I could do anything differently, I would have just taken a little extra time, maybe an extra day and stayed there and took some time to go out and visit some of those facilities that was in that area and meet some of the people in that area. You know, I think we're all in such a hurry when, in fact, you know, you, if you're taking the time to go someplace, whether, you know, I went to Vancouver and Texas and Louisiana and, you know, other places in Canada, looking back, I never really got a chance to see those areas because I didn't take the time. I was too much of a hurry to get back and, you know, I had other responsibilities I wanted to address the next day, but I should have taken an extra day or two and visited some of our fellow Jeeps members and maybe visited a few extra facilities while I was in those areas. And, and that would have been one thing I would have done different if I could go back and do it all over again. Also going to ask others in this type of series is about safety improvements. It's obviously so critical. You've already mentioned the positive impact that's been made with your great service. But looking maybe broadly on the industry, what do you think you've seen as the greatest safety improvement? or some of the greatest safety improvements during your time within the industry? Well, two or three things come to mind. I guess uh, one thing that, that I think we see a lot more of the last 10 years in particular are companies that are developing short videos to use for orientation purposes for new employees and maybe people coming to visit your site. You know, it's pretty hard when you hire somebody to cover 25, 30 different safety issues you want to cover with them in the first, you know, a couple hours or half a day even. And some of these uh, introductory videos do a really nice job of nothing else just to perk their interest and attention. So if they get asked to um, do something like bin entry or lockout tag out or whatever, it just maybe raises their awareness enough to know that take your time and ask somebody how to do it properly. But I think those orientation videos are a great tool to use and a good use of everybody's time. The other thing, I think everybody's doing a better job of using safety committees, challenging the employees to get involved and help to identify hazards on site and helping to train each other. I think that's a great tool. And I think the more we can do in terms of hands-on training, those are a good use of time. I mean, I think for anybody to appreciate how to do things like lockout, tag out, bed entry, things like that, just to watch a simple um, PowerPoint is not going to get the point across as uh, effectively as going out there and, and watching that employee physically do that task and making sure they understand it properly. Yeah, it makes sense. Thanks for sharing. 
When you retired, based on just some preliminary questioning leading up to this interview, I found it kind of fascinating that you didn't just go fishing <laughs> or, or whatever your hobby may be, but you continued to educate and reach out, and particularly after retirement, and really from 2005 to 2020, you taught local fire departments in both Michigan and Ontario how to effectively respond to different types of farm-related injuries, agriculture-related injuries. Can you describe that? And then, not only that, you worked with high school students and introduced them to some concepts about where food comes from and such. And, and can you describe some of those things you did following your retirement? We created an organization, uh, Jim, called Emergency Services Rescue Training here in the Michigan and petitioned Myosha for grant money, and they have been very supportive. As a matter of fact, the director of Michigan OSHA, at one time, her father was buried in a grain bin. So uh, she was very supportive of uh, some of the things we were trying to do in the farm and ag industry. But uh, three things that we did, number one was to develop a training program. It was a three to four hour training program for fire departments on how to effectively deal with 20 different types of farm-related emergencies. And we covered everything from tractor rollovers, uh, PTO uh, issues, uh, large animal issues, toxic gases around manure pits, uh, handling anhydrous ammonia, just a wide variety of things that local fire departments really aren't knowledgeable about. And we would train fire departments all over the state as well as Ontario on how to address some of those things. But as part of that, when we went into a community, if we had an, uh, an opportunity to go talk to the local school and uh, share some thoughts with the students about agriculture, just uh, raising their awareness of where does your food come from? What kind of career opportunities are in the ag industry? Those kind of things. We always took that opportunity to go and talk to the students in that community as well. And then the other thing we did is we went out and talked to farm families to try to raise their awareness and making sure that they understood how to get things done without um, you know harming somebody in their family as well. So we tried to target fire departments, students, and farm families you know, through emergency services rescue training. You know we got a lot of uh, good feedback and met a lot of great people. And unfortunately, uh, the whole COVID uh, scenario really slowed that whole process down. But uh, up until that point. We, we had a lot of great feedback and, and some good results from that program. Some of the, the programs we offered were actually hands-on kind of training besides PowerPoints. We actually had a full 12-hour training program on tractor rollovers where we actually used live tractors and showed them how to deal with tractor rollovers, as an example. And uh, so it was, it was a great program. Fantastic. Green industry, thank you for your service. It's about reaching the next set of generations. So. Just uh, one or two other things before we conclude here today. Obviously, you have been involved with chapters yourself. As you reflect on chapters, chapter leadership, direction of chapters, chapter engagement, what are some pieces of advice, if you will, or some sort of commentary you can have surrounding chapters and chapter engagement? One of my regrets, Jim, when I was on the Jeeps International Board, I think we currently have about 26 chapters uh, in the international organization. But over the years, I think in the last 40 to 50 years, we've actually uh, probably formed uh, over 32 different chapters. And, and, and over time, 
some of those were scratched and deemed and not viable. And uh, and what's really hard uh, for me to see is when you have a good, strong chapter going, and then four or five years later, it just dies because, you know, we had uh, hit a, a soft spot as far as the succession planning and things like that uh, with new uh, members coming on the board, quite frankly. But one of the things we did with Michigan Southern Ontario chapter, which I was very proud of, probably for the first 15 to 20 years from 1983 on, we actually dedicated a full day every June to bring in the new board. And we usually met at the at a, a golf a local golf <laughs> course. And we spent the morning talking about succession planning, strategic planning, what meetings worked well last year, which ones could we improve upon, things like that. The other thing we did is we really spent a lot of time talking about who should be on the board in the future. Now, keeping in mind um, our chapter uh, back for many, many years, we had six board members. Four of them were regular members and two of them were associates. The other thing we always had as a guideline, we wanted four members from Michigan and two members from Ontario. So to try to juggle that and make sure that coming up next year, we're going to have the right people with leadership potential to carry the torch. I mean, we, we took that very seriously. So we met with the board as well as we always invited three or four past board members to come in and join the new board. And we shared thoughts and talked about that in depth for two, three hours. And then we had a little barbecue and, and then had a little golf outing with each other afterwards in the afternoon. But that was a tremendous uh, tool. And it just works so well for a Michigan Southern Ontario chapter to maintain a, a strong, viable presence. And, uh, you know, the, the chapter kept growing and, and we balanced um, the mix between Ontario and Michigan. And, and I, I would sure encourage other chapters, if they're not doing that, to take a serious look at doing that and actually spending a, a good chunk of time doing some planning, orientation and strategic planning with the boards, inviting the old members back in as well to share thoughts and things that worked well in the past. Great advice. Thank you very much. So you talked about strategic planning, strategic thinking with the board of the Jeeps chapter, staying along with the theme of chapters and engagement. As you reflect back and think about now and as things evolve here with family schedules, work schedules, just uh, the range of changes going on in facilities, what are some ways that you think are best or have drawn the most engagement? What are the activities that you see and how does education play a role in all that? Well, I guess a couple of things come to mind. Uh, you know, one thing I guess I would try to do a better job of, you know, I, I did a lot of it in the last uh, eight to 10 years, but I wish I would have done more of it early in my career is to take advantage of some of those synergies in the ag industry between, uh, you know, not only the company you're working for, but the new employees that are coming on board, uh, local uh, response uh, groups and, and local farm families. I mean, there are so many things we could do together in terms of sharing, uh, you know, resources and, and uh, just knowledge and, and things like that if we could work more effectively together. And I think as we look forward, uh, you know, let's face it, everybody's uh, having a challenge to find the right employees to come on board and recognizing today that, you know, less than 1% of our population is on farms. So to find anybody with any ag experience is getting tougher and tougher to do. So I think uh, getting out there and even talking to high school students and kind of priming the pump and letting them know about uh, what the ag industry looks like and what kind of uh, career opportunities are out there. I mean, it, it doesn't hurt to start that process when those uh, students are in, uh, you know, are 15, 16 years old. We need to do more of that kind of thing. Great advice. Now, one final little task I was hoping you could help me out with. 
I'm going to start a sentence, and I'd love for you, Wayne, to finish this sentence. Being part of the Jeep's family means... It just means being part of a very, you know, great association of people, people that support each other and, and they're doing uh, something, you know, very worthwhile for our whole industry and, you know, and society in general. And uh, the egg industry doesn't get enough um, kudos for how efficient we are. You know, a lot of people don't realize that we spend less than 8% of our GDP in this country on food. And the reason it's that small is because we're efficient at the farm level and at the grain handling levels. You know, that's not the case in the rest of the world. And I think that, um, you know, we need to take credit for how efficient we really are. That's well said. I think a lot of people appreciate that. It's a wonderful industry to be in. You have demonstration of passion for safety, passion for advancing the industry, and then this generational influence that you've had during your time as a professional. And then after retirement, we are so proud of you, Wayne. And we are very grateful that you are here on the Jeep's Whole Grain Podcast so that we can use this channel to communicate your strong message to others. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Well, thank you for inviting me, Jim. Uh, Jeeps has given me an awful lot over the years, and, the, and I would be happy to uh, participate in something as minor as this. It's, 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 a, it's a great opportunity, and, and uh, good luck to everybody in the grain industry moving forward. Thank you. Okay, Jim, take care of yourself. This episode, like our other episodes of Whole Grain, is super easy to share with others. The Whole Grain Podcast can be found on your favorite podcast apps such as Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and much more. Just do a search for Whole Grain. You'll easily find it. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button. That way, every single episode will be downloaded to your device as soon as it is released. And you can quickly catch up on past episodes as well. Additionally, you can connect with the Whole Grain Show on the Jeeps website through jeeps.com forward slash whole grain access the audio player review the show notes and links and access the transcript in shortly after a year of existence the whole grain show has attracted listeners from 60 different countries at the time of this recording if you find value in the show please give us a five-star rating and leave us a comment that really supports what we do and helps people discover the show more easily the Whole Grain Show is a production of Jeeps, the Grain Elevator and Processing Society. The Grain Elevator and Processing Society is the largest organization dedicated to advancing the grain handling and processing industry. Be sure to check out Jeeps.com. That's G-E-A-P-S.com. If you and your organization want to sponsor an episode and be a featured guest on The Whole Grain Show, or if you are interested in us producing audio ads to support your product or service, we can help you with that with our in-house audio recording studio. Please reach out to me, Jim Lenz, Director of Global Training and Education, and your host of Whole Grain. My email is james at jeeps.com. Have yourself a great day, and thanks for listening to Whole Grain.